0: Hey, you are listening to Sean of the South, and I'm your host tonight, Sean Dietrich, and we're coming to you live through the podcast airwaves and the radios all over the nation. This fellow on stage, you see behind me here tonight, is fixing to play for you some music. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Woody Pye, Woody Pye. I'm going to read you a little bit of our mail tonight, a little bit of our mail sent in to us from listeners all over the country who had a wonderful idea to put pen to paper and make our nights complete. Our first letter comes from Burl Simpson in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Sean, you're a nice guy. I can tell that. And I just wanted to give a shout out to my mother. My mother, she's raised us without much money and she had no man to help her. And had no family to speak of. She's a beautiful woman, and the day that I write this to you, she is 76. <clears throat> 76 years old, she was the one who introduced me to your stuff, and I love her, and I wish her a happy birthday. I wish her a happy birthday. Madison Philard, Syracuse, New York. John, I have no idea why I like your show. (laughs) After all, you're not like the people I grew up with. You're in a different culture altogether than what we got here in New York. But I can't get enough of the rural side of life because it seems so beautiful to me, I guess. So I just want to say thank you. Keep it up because I'm listening way up here. And so are a few of my buddies right here in Syracuse. Peace, Madison. Dear Madison, dear Madison, thank you for them kind words, and maybe one day when I get over my fear, my paralyzing fear of big cities, perhaps I will visit New York and we can have coffee and a bagel or whatever it is that is consumed up there, your friend, Sean Dietrich. Marion Nelson, Dayton, Ohio. I've been running from rural life ever since I was old enough to graduate high school. But since I lost my last job, it was a very, very bad situation, too. I have been losing, or longing, that is, for the simple life that I was raised with. And now, I'm spending my time thinking of how I can get out of this city and get back to the little place that I come from called Chagrin Falls. You've probably never heard of it, but it's heaven on earth. Say a few prayers for me if you get a chance. Your friend, Marion. Tom Isles, Atchison, Kansas. Sean, I used to ride horses when I was a kid, but then I had an accident that broke my collarbone, and I was scared to ever ride them again. So I haven't. For many years, I've stayed away from a horse. Yesterday, however, I was at my friend's house, and we were working on building a guest house for his mother, who was coming to live with them. And on a whim, he asked if I wanted to go riding. I could feel my body get stiff, but I decided to go ahead and do it. It was impulsive, it was probably foolish, but I decided to get back on the horse. We went for a ride without saddles of all things. We went bareback and I felt like I was a kid again when I first learned how to ride. So I'm back on the horse and I just needed to tell somebody that. I'm back in the saddle again. Your buddy, Tom. Vicky Zeeland, Birmingham, Alabama. I moved to Birmingham for a man who I thought I loved. But he divorced me and he broke my heart. I decided I wasn't going to let it ruin me. I decided that I was going to be strong. We were married for almost a year, which doesn't seem like a whole long time but it's long enough. My father came up here to live with me when I went through my breakup and he slept outside my den and he cooked breakfast for me every morning, bacon and eggs. His breakfasts are terrible. He overcooks his bacon. He can't get an egg right. His pancakes are like eating cardboard but he was here for me and he helped me refocus my life and figure out what it was that I wanted and what it was that I didn't want. He's an awesome man, and that's all I wanted to say. He just started listening to your show a few weeks ago and told me about it. I haven't listened to any yet. Maybe I'll hear you read this over the air. <laughs> Lee Conrad, Fairhope, Alabama. I was trying to teach my mother-in-law how to water ski this summer, Sean. She's so bad at it, she's very uncoordinated. So I got out there and I tried to show her how easy it was. And when my son gunned the boat, he gunned it too fast and I lost my skis. I was drugged behind the boat for just a little ways. And when I got out of the water and climbed back into the boat, unbeknownst to me, I was not wearing any swim trunks. (laughs) I was so humiliated. I grabbed a cooler lid to cover myself, but my mother-in-law only looked at me and said, Please... I've raised two boys. You don't have nothing I hadn't seen before. Ray Stepnowski, Seno, Georgia. My son's had a great summer this year, a great summer. He's learned how to poop in a toilet. And even though, even though it seems like such a small accomplishment, it's not. We're proud of him for going in the toilet all by himself. We're so proud it's not even funny. We know when he's in the bathroom because he shouts through the walls and says, I'm going to poop now, guys. My wife always rewards him with peanut butter, and then she cranks up the dance music, and we have a dance party. This, my wife claims, will help him associate pooping with good things. Sean, I love my life. You have no idea how much I love my life, and I love my family. Laura Dannon, Cody Wyoming. Sean, I'm on vacation in Wyoming right now while I write this to you. I'm looking at mountains, big ones. People never thought I'd do much with my life, and I'll tell you the truth, I didn't either. But I've just completed my nursing degree. I've just completed my nursing degree. I'm a single woman, 43 years old. It's too late in life to be beginning, I know that, but I am not daunted by this. I'm taking ownership of my life, and I don't mind telling you that I'm learning how to be proud of who I am. Not prideful, but proud. I spent too long feeling sorry for myself, and one day I just realized, Hey, I'm still young, and I'm still healthy, and I have a whole life to live, however long it may be. So I enrolled in college and then nursing school, and it's been a long nine years, but here I am. I celebrated my success by coming out west to see Yellowstone National Park, and I'm going to San Francisco in a few days to see my sister. So to anyone out there who wonders if they have what it takes to live a full life, I want to tell them, they do. It's all there inside you. And you know what I've learned, Sean? It's not really all that hard. It's not easy either. But it's not as hard as I thought it was. Thanks for reading my letter. Your friend, Laura. Dear Laura, from everybody here tonight, may the mountains be your allies and the skies be your friend. May you see glorious sights awaiting just around the river bend. May you know that we here tonight are with you and on your side. And may your life be one grand adventure. And above all, may you enjoy the ride. And that's letters from our listeners. We're going to have another tune here from Woody Pines, everybody. Woody Pines.
1: One, two, one, two, three. You, you got a couple, you got a sweetheart, don't you? Oh, yeah, I know, you you know you'd do it. anything for love, wouldn't you? Just about anything. I'd do a thing, too. Well, I'd walk through desert fire over glass and broken wire. I would do anything for love. Well, I'd jump from a bird, turn a cloud into a word. I would do anything for love. Yes, I'd travel down to East Nashville get you to find this boot. Into a barn house and grab you lots of hoops. I'd pinch Mike Tyson's cheek, be dodging punches for a week I would do anything for love. what you do for love? Over thorns of broken wax, Miles Davis burn burning tax. I would do anything for love. Hold my breath till I turn blue Ask Train what he would do I would do anything for love And it's up, up, up In a hearty balloon We gone down, down, down To a local saloon We gone up, up, up All the sweet afternoon Start out in July Then we finish up in June And yeah, my bank account for a promo no ticket to the Paramount I would do anything for love What'd you do for love? A broken wax My stave of silver burning tacks I would do anything for love Hold my breath till I turn blue Ask Coltrane what he would do I would do anything for love Yes i go down to Istanbul Just to get a sack of grain Change the weather up over your head Just to get some rain Rain, 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 rain Rain, 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 rain. Change the weather up over your head Just to get some rain Rain, rain, rain,
0: rain, 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 rain. rain. Change the weather up over your head just to get some rain. Well, autumn season is upon us, Lord is upon us in full force full force. The summertime in this part of the world, many people consider to be part of the judgment mentioned in the book of Revelation, <laughs> because the heat here is so is so testing, it's such a trial on the human body, particularly. You cannot walk out of your front door without feeling like there's a stack of pancakes in your pants. Everything... Everything is soggy on your body. Everything. Your hair is is wet and it turns into strands that mat to your slick forehead or if you are curly-haired like me, it bunches up into kinky little curls like you've just licked a light socket. <laughs> That's summertime. It is a testing season for people. Our brother Merle who preaches at the Fourth Baptist Church in Black Creek preaches His best sermons about hell during the summer, and anybody visiting from a different part of the world takes him a little bit more seriously than we normally do. We had some folks visiting from Nebraska. Uh, several Sundays ago, it was the height of, a, of an 89-degree day. 89 degrees might not sound like that hot, but when you are suffocated with 150% humidity, it feels at least 50 degrees hotter than it really is. And the people from Nebraska all agreed when they left and the service was over that they, in fact, did believe in eternal punishment <laughs> to some degree. Brother Merle used this to his advantage. They were not people who had been raised Baptist. And when he asked them how they've been raised, they said, we've been raised Methodist. Because, you see, our our parents were Methodist. Brother Merle said, well, that's not a very good reason to follow any doctrine whatsoever, you know, just because your parents did it. He said, I mean, what what would it have been like if your parents and your grandparents and your great-grandparents had all been certifiable morons? And a couple looked at each other and they said, Well, I guess that would have made us Baptists. (laughs) I went out for a little jaunt, a little walk to my fishing hole a few weeks ago. Soon as the autumn weather started to come and it started to change a little bit, the temperatures got so low, down all the way down to 69 degrees. Which doesn't sound like a very low temperature to you if you're not from South Alabama or Northwest Florida. But to us, to us it means we wear long sleeves and perhaps even closed-toed shoes. Unless, unless you're transplant, perhaps let's say from Nebraska during 69 degree weather, you will wear sandals and black socks pulled up around your calves. But we wear closed-toed shoes. I went for a little walk, just just taking in the fall weather to get my heart rate up. I went to my fishing hole. This fishing hole has been with me from the very beginning. It sits right on the Choctahatchee Bay of my youth. The Choctahatchee Bay is a sprawling bay right here in northwest Florida. It spans two counties, a wonderful place where I found myself, a place where I have taken every dog, that I have had who liked to fish, who used to ride my boats. My dog, my coonhound, Ellie Mae, used to ride on the bow of my, of my boat, 14-foot bass boat that I titled the SS Squirrel. She would ride on that boat just looking out at the, at the horizon there. This little particular fishing spot I got is in a secret location unknown to anybody, not even my wife. Now, I went down to this fishing hole on the day of my wedding just to kind of to get my mind together, to gather my thoughts. Because it's a very special spot to me. I don't even have to be fishing to enjoy it here. I found the place where I park. I hopped out of my truck. And I carried a single fishing pole that I got for Christmas a few years ago. It's a take-apart fishing rod. It comes apart into two pieces, and it's got a cheap reel on it. And you can carry it in your truck in the back seat in case you are so inclined to go fishing. It's not a good rod, but it'll do the trick. I have caught a three pound fish on it before. Three pound fish, it nearly broke the rod, but it worked. I'm carrying this rod underneath my arm, and this tiny tackle box, it's not a full size tackle box, it just has the basics, it just has the essentials, the things that you would need to catch a fish. You know, the tackle box is about the size of a mass market paperback book. And it's a whole lot more fun to read, too. Inside are a few rubber worms, a few treble hooks, a few number six hooks, and a small lure built by my friend, Mr. Carl. The lure is made out of an old spoon. He buys these spoons from thrift stores and drills a hole right in the center. And he... He attaches it with a little piece of wire to the end of your line and a hook on the other end. And this thing will spin through the water. And the idea is to attract fish. And it does work. It does work. Once every 17 years, you're bound to catch a fish on that thing. (laughs) And I step through the high grass and through the long-leaf pine trees and the low-hanging branches And I walked the periphery of the Choctahatchie Bay. I stepped across land that's been there since the beginning of time, since the beginning of time. Out there in the Northwest Floridian Woods are longleaf pine trees, a few with trunks as big around as wagon wheels. Large, scarred, gnarled trees poking up out of the earth with bravery. To their stature you can feel their endurance swimming through their bark some of these trees bear cat faces on them cat faces are what the turpentiners used to carve into the trees to get the sap out in order to turn it into turpentine turpentine was a major major product export from this area of northwest florida I hiked along this little single-path trail. It's a dirt trail worn down by years of me and a few others who fish here. These few others are people who are within my circle, people like my cousin Ed Lee. My cousin Ed Lee and I used to fish this hole long ago. In fact, once we went to this fishing hole, and we were carrying our gear, and he was carrying a pinfish trap, and I was carrying a few rods and a backpack. We were going we to camp in this fishing spot There's a little clearing And we got there and we heard voices the Voices were bouncing across the water And we looked We looked into the distance And we knew what we were seeing A group of Methodist Elderly women Methodist women On a Bible retreat Had rented Miss Wilson's cabin Just a few miles up And we could see them They had hiked down toward us and they were in the water knee deep my cousin ed lee and i squatted down onto our haunches and we just watched them elderly women white haired with large large frames and large large bodies and one woman we saw her and her voice echoed across the surface of the water and she said you know what It's been about 50 years since I have skinny dipped. (laughs) I looked at my cousin Ed Lee, and my cousin Ed Lee looked at me, and our eyes were about as big as servant platters. A few of the older women who were wading in that knee-deep water said, You think anybody would see? My cousin Ed Lee whispered. He said, Oh, no enough, we saw the Methodist Women's Bible Retreat remove their one-piece bathing suits. One woman removed her brassiere. It was the largest brassiere I've ever seen in my life, and she exposed her heavenly attributes to the rest of the world. My cousin Ed and I shielded our eyes we closed them very, very tight, and we turned our heads, and we heard splashing, and we heard giggling, and we waited like that for about an hour until it finished, and when it finally finished, we were closing our eyes as tight as we could and covering our, covering our, our faces, and we heard steps through the tall grass, and my cousin, Italy, uncovered his, his eyes, and he said, oh, my God. We looked up, and there were two Methodist women... <laughs> Wrapped in towels, wrapped in towels. And they looked at us and said, the Lord be with you. My cousin Ed Lee, because he's raised Episcopalian, said, and also with you. (laughs) Fishing in this honey hole, this little fishing spot in the corner of God's creation, feels a whole lot like going back to Eden. It's isolated, and it is is tucked away from the rest of the hustle and the bustle in this world. I love to be alone out here. I love to be here when it's autumn time. When I got to my fishing spot, I was startled to see in the distance, to see a boy. This boy was sitting on a plastic patio chair that I had stolen from my mother's front porch and put there a few years ago. It's a dry rotted plastic chair. It's amazing that it's still holding up. I'm very careful every time I sit down on it because once a plastic lawn chair shattered underneath the weight of my hand when I was trying to lower myself into the chair. And it cut me right here along my wrist. It was a bad cut. In fact, I'm looking at the scar right now. I still bear the scar. But this boy was sitting in this chair and swinging his legs and I heard music. And when I got closer, I saw there was a little cell phone sitting on the armrest of this chair. And it was blasting modern country music. I don't care for modern country music. I don't mind telling you. In fact, if you ask me, modern country music with all its strange instrumentation and the strange effects they put on the voices sounds a whole lot like two chainsaws engaging in their moral activity. (laughs) It's about as pleasant to listen to as it is to watch 12 Methodist women's skinny dip (laughs) in the Choctawatchee Bay. But who am I to judge? My grandparents probably felt the same way. About my parents' music And their grandparents before them I walked to him I was careful not to startle him And when he saw me I raised my left hand Just like the ancient Native Americans Would have done a long time ago The Cherokee or the Creek Indians Would have done in friendly greeting And I said I'm friendly I'm friendly I'm just here to to check on Check on the old fishing hole And he stood, he was a gentleman, this boy, blonde. He turned off his little radio and I could see he had freckles just like I do. Buckshot freckles across his face. He was eating a bag of Doritos and his hands were orange. He shot out his right hand to me and he said, My name's Mark. And I gave him my hand I said, My name's Sean. And I looked at my hand and it had turned orange from his cheesy fingers he said I just found this, this spot I just found this spot and we talked a little bit me and, me and that boy he had a rod in his hands a fishing rod he was cranking it ever so gently you could hear the click 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 of his rod kind of reverb across the slick surface of the Choctawatcha Bay He'd pull in his lure and he'd cast it back out. And then he pulled in his lure and he took off the lure and he placed a little little hook on the end and he baited it with some, li- with some shrimp, not live shrimp. It was frozen shrimp from a little Ziploc bag he had with him. It was the frozen kind of shrimp you buy in the Winn-Dixie, not the kind you buy from the bait shop. It was designer shrimp. These fish don't know how good they have it. And he cast out as far as he could He cast out to this exact location where we had just seen a pelican dive bomb into the water from the sky. You always fish where you see the birds dive bombing because that means there are fish there. uh, Birds can see a whole lot better than you can. Of course, if you're not careful, you will steal the fish from the pelican. He's liable to come up onto the shore and he'll stand right before you and he'll just stare you down until your Christian charity kicks in. Me and the boy, we just chatted for a little bit. He had to get out of the house early that morning because his house was filled with estrogen. He comes from a house that's filled with girls, two sisters and a mother. He moved here from Atlanta with his mother and her boyfriend. And the night before, he was with his sisters who had had a sleepover. Now the house was filled with the sound of girls' voices. He woke up that next morning and he had to have some private time. I grew up in a house full of women myself. With my sister, my mother, my aunt, my cousins, I was the only man in that household. I too used to need my private space. I so know what the kid's feeling. So he got onto his bike with his backpack and his Doritos and his cellular phone, and he drove and he drove and he drove, he found this spot. He found a spot that this boy has no idea, no idea whatsoever, that boys just like him have been fishing since before the earth cooled. I discovered this fishing spot just before Abraham Lincoln was sworn into office. This ground is the same ground where me and my cousin Ed Lee and my friend Larry used to fish and talk about life. And that's what I did with this boy, Mark. He said he hadn't seen his father in about six years, ever since they left Atlanta. But he got a, a whim a few months earlier, and he decided he's going to call his father. His father is a cabinet builder. He showed me pictures of the cabinets his father used to build on his cellular phone. A large kitchen that was big enough to qualify for its own zip code had cabinets stretching from one end to the other. Fine red oak cabinets. He said, my daddy built those. I said, that's fine. That's fine. My father was an iron worker. He used to build large iron structures. I still have newspaper clippings of the buildings he built in a box in my closet. And Occasionally I will look at these things and remind myself of the good things that came from, from a man who died too young. He flipped through a few more pictures on his cell phone and he showed me a picture of a young toddler, or just a boy who's a little bit older than a toddler, and a man the man was holding a fish, and that boy was blonde. And that boy was the same boy who was before me, only he was much, much younger. The man in the picture was holding a fish, had a long beard and a tattoo on his neck and a lot of earrings in his ears and one in his nose. And the boy said, "I, I was young in this picture, but my father caught the fish, and he reeled it into the boat, but he let me hold it. Uh, and get my picture took with it too. He called his father and his father his father didn't answer the phone and went straight to voicemail. And this boy left a message. And then the boy called back. And he called back. And one day he finally got his father, and I don't know the details of the story, and even if I did, they ain't mine to tell. But he got his father on the phone and he somehow convinced him to come on down to Florida. And this boy was excited. Oh, I could see it all over his face. He's excited to shake hands with the man who looks just like he does. We fatherless boys are a strange lot. We grew up wondering, we grew up wondering what our fathers would do in certain positions that we find ourselves in. We grew up wanting someone to, to give us advice, even if it's the wrong kind of advice. Believe me, my uncle has given me plenty of wrong advice in my life. We grow up wanting somebody to talk about fast cars with us. We love to talk about fast cars. We want someone to show us how to change the oil. We want someone to, to talk with us about girls. We want someone to explain life to us. We want someone to take us fishing, to show us how to gut a fish with a sharp boning knife and how to get two fillets out of that fish father's boys need this but we don't always get it and so we, we, we grapple we make phone calls to people who, who live a whole state away and so in a few weeks his father will be coming into town he said he said I'm, 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 just, I'm just so excited he says you know when he comes down he's going to sleep in my room and, and I think maybe I might even take him fishing, and you know I, after I found this spot by accident today, I think i 'm going to take him here, maybe it can be maybe it can be our spot, just belong to us and I just glanced at the chair he was sitting in, a chair that used to sit on my mother 's porch. He has no idea, no idea the hours i 've spent right here on this little patch of wooded grove right on the choctatchee bay thinking eating cheetos just like he's eating doritos while we were talking his rod bent toward the surface of the water and i heard his reel start zipping it started zipping something fierce made this t- this noise Zzz, and this fish I could see him beneath the the translucent surface of the water. He was zigging and zagging. And I said what all men have been saying to young boys, reel her in, boy. The boy was cranking his reel slowly with real efficiency. He'd tug on the rod and then he'd reel in. And then he'd tug on the rod and bring her forward and reel it in. Inch by inch, he got that fish closer to shore. And when he got that fish out of the water, he pulled it up and he held it in his hand and it was a good-sized trout. Not a great-sized trout, but a decent-sized trout. And he looked at it, he was breathing heavy. It's not easy tugging in a fish when you're just a little old boy. He said, look at him. Would you take a picture of, of, of this fish with my phone? I got his phone... I stood back a few feet and I took a, took a picture. And he grinned in the open sunlight. The autumn season does something to our bodies. It's a stimulant. It makes us excited, even though we don't always have a reason to be excited. I gave him his phone back. He placed it in his pocket. He said, thanks, thanks. And then he took that fish. He pressed his thumb into that fish's jaw. And he held that fish upward and then he cut that line. And with both hands he walked to the edge of the shore and he bent down low and he put that fish in the water and he let that fish swim away. I said, Why'd you let it go? He said, Aw, oh, he's been through enough already. I just wanted to get my picture took with him and prove that that I caught him. I think he deserves to live. I decided it was time for me to leave because there was much more fishing to be done. And the boy needed to do it in his own, in the privacy of, of, of his own company. I've been fishing that spot for a very, very long time. Long, long time. I have spent some moments in that spot where I cried. And I have spent some moments in that spot where I felt like the world was opening up and everything was going my way. Like on the day of my wedding, it felt so good. Felt so good sitting in that spot, looking at that gray water, reflecting the sky back at me, watching the pelicans dive bomb, feeling that crisp, that crisp weather. It's a good spot, real, real good spot. But I'm happy to transfer ownership of that spot onto a young boy who needs it a whole lot more than I do. And I only pray that it will be as good to him as it was to me. Hey, thanks for having me tonight. It's been a true pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for listening to Sean of the South. I've been your host today, Sean Dietrich, and man, it's been a bona fide pleasure, if I do say so myself. Hope you join us next week, maybe even the week after that, if you ain't got nothing going on. That music you heard behind me today was Woody pines nashville troubadour his music comes from the streets where he worked as a professional busker cutting his teeth and drawing liberally from the lost back alley anthems of american roots music that's why the songs on his new self-titled release album woody pines are so hot this is folk music at its best. The kind of Raise the Rafters boot shaking blues that used to be in the juke joints all over the South in the 40s. Find anything more about what he does, visit WoodyPines.com. Make sure you download his new album, I promise you won't regret it. To find anything more about what I do you can visit SeanOfTheSouthShow.com and there you can find past episodes in our archives starting from our very first one where we had absolutely no earthly idea what we were doing to this one that you just heard. And while you're there I hope you take the time to drop me a line because I love to hear from my friends. Tell me about your birthday announcements wedding announcements, bar mitzvah invitations and ice cream socials and church potlucks and I'll do my best to read them over the air if I am so inclined because I love to do that sort of stuff for my friends. And speaking of friends, friends we never really grow up we only learn how to act in public adios